You are listening to episode 15 of the TJ Tells It podcast. Today, I'm bringing you part two of my interview with Coach Amy Begley. Welcome to the TJ Tells It podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and this is your straight talk guide to the fitness lifestyle by a non-traditional fitness junkie. Have you ever said, I could never run, lift weights, take a spin class, complete a 5K, or even that marathon? If you ever said, I'm not the fitness type, Are you afraid to go to the gym because you don't know where to start or what to do? Or are you just looking for a little motivation to get out the door? If I just described you, then this is the podcast for you. You will hear about starting a health and fitness lifestyle, tips and tricks to staying on track and motivated. You'll learn the ins and outs of becoming a healthier you. You will also get to meet some of my favorite fitness junkies around and more. Lace up your shoes and let's get this journey started. Welcome, welcome to episode 15 of the TJ Tells It podcast. I am TJ, I'm your host, and today I'm bringing you part two of my interview with Coach Amy Begley. But before I do that, I want to give you all a quick update on what I've been doing health and fitness wise in the last uh, couple of weeks. And if you've been following me on Instagram and been watching my Instagram stories, you already know what I've been doing. But at Turn Studios and Sandy Springs, they held gold bingo. So G-O-A-L apostrophe D bingo. And you had to black out the card. There were 25 squares on it. So you had 25 different things you needed to do in order to uh, get your punches. And I blacked out my bingo card. I was the only person to finish them all. And I used all the principles that I talk about to get it done. It was 14 days long and you had to take about 13 classes or so if you didn't need any modifications, which of course I did because as much as I would love to be able to do a class in the middle of the day in Sandy Springs, there's just almost no way to do it and go to work in the same day. So it it meant that I took classes with all the different instructors that offer classes. And it was nice to, uh, to do that since I hadn't tried everybody's class. And it was just a fun goal to work towards. It definitely made when you're in class and you're like, oh my God, this hurts so bad. But in my head, I would think, oh, bingo made me do it. That was the hashtag that I used. It wasn't the only reason that I showed up, but it was a great um, accomplishment. I think it was one of the first times other than Fit Trip that I um, finished a gym challenge or one of those 30-day challenges that you may do or a two-week challenge. It was just something that I set my mind to and I did it. It was great to also have um, training for half marathon in mind too. So it pushed myself harder and do more things during class. So by the end of the 14 days, I was able to do some TRX tucks, which I had never even attempted prior to that and a host of other things. Plus I got introduced to a whole new music artist genre called bass nectar by one of the instructors and so it was just really cool to have that sense of accomplishment and um, it was fun to meet different people and see the same people showing up to class to try and black out their bingo card as well 
Other than that, I am preparing or I guess as prepared as I'm going to get for the Thanksgiving Day half marathon. And I will report back on the next podcast how that goes. I uh, suspect I'm going to very much earn my macaroni and cheese this year, but I will get it done and complete the Triple Peach series through the Atlanta Track Club, which if you are a brand new listener or not familiar with Atlanta Track Club, it is the uh, premier running organization in Atlanta. It hosts the largest 10K, which is the Peachtree Road Race on July 4th, which is the first race in the Triple Peach series. The second race is the uh, PNC Atlanta 10 miler, and it finishes with the Invesco QQQ half half marathon on Thanksgiving. So that is the last thing I have to do to collect my extra metal and shirt. And I think they give you pie too, but really it's just a sense of accomplishment. I've been doing it every year since it started. And it's um, just one of those things I look forward to for fall training. But that all being said, Let's pick back up with the interview with Coach Amy Begley. I purposely left you on a cliffhanger in part one, which let me pause and say, if you haven't listened to part one, you should definitely go back and listen to episode 14, which is the first part of my interview with Coach Amy Begley. You'll get to hear how her journey started, some motivational tips and practical tips for how you can move along on your health and fitness journey. And if you are looking to coach or you are coaching people, she has great advice on how to motivate people. Plus, there's some fun little tidbits about Amy and her transition to Atlanta when I first met her because it's my podcast and I can tell stories. But we're going to pick back up. I left you on the cliffhanger of asking her what her biggest hurdle was. And so we'll start right there. And so what's your biggest hurdle? I jokingly say that I literally get in running clothes every single day. And if I run once a week, I'm really lucky. And mostly because I will get to practice and something will come up or I will need to readjust a workout or some athlete will have a meltdown or something will happen. Like today, I got to practice, but uh, one of my athletes races started exactly when practice started. So instead of going out to run, I sat there and watched my phone and the tracker on his race. And then the tracker didn't uh, continue to follow him. So then I knew something was wrong. So I'm trying to get a hold of him. And three hours later, I get to start my run, which then, um, you know, started raining and all this other fun stuff, but I definitely needed my run at that point. But you know, typically in the past, I would have just, you know, spent three hours later, all the other athletes are now gone from that practice. You know, I probably would have, you know, usually gone home and not run, but today I actually did run. So that was a plus and a yay for me. Um, but yeah, I have great uh, <sighs> thoughts of getting runs in and then things happen. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I could at some points... I should probably be more selfish sometimes and go out and do it, but it's, I guess right now, the thing that Andrew taught me when I first started coaching was it's not about you anymore. Uh, so I've probably taken that too far into not getting my own stuff done, <laughs> but doing everybody else's like coaching and things like that. So, you know what? I am still learning that uh, balance, um, as you know, because you said you run more than I do a week. Yes, and yes, you do. <laughs> but for me right now, I, I don't know. I've, I'm putting other practices and people's stuff in front of mine. Um, people always ask, why didn't you have kids? I'm like, well, I made that choice not to have kids really. 
Um, a lot of my athletes, they aren't my kids, but they're my projects, I guess I like to say. Um, and they take up a lot of time and, and I enjoy it and I like doing it. Um, but I'm like everybody else. I have the same issues with balancing life and work and fitness. <laughs> I'll own that. Good, good. I like it because that's totally great. Call her out and be like, y'all, just because she's an Olympian does not mean that she does not have the real people struggle of when am I going to run now that it's not your job yep. to run, mm-hmm. but your job is to help others reach their goals. Mm-hmm. And even though you may have your own personal goals, but I do want to talk a little bit about the idea of um, being selfish. I feel like women, when they start their health and fitness journey and they are either taking care of people, whether it be they're a volunteer and they're taking care of their group of um, participants or they're a coach like yourself who has athletes that you need to take care of or you have a family or you have kids and they don't take as much time as they need versus want, which are two different things, they need in order to keep themselves healthy or have that you know, stress relief that they need but they because they think of it as being selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, as a person of, that's a dog mom, but I volunteer probably way more than I realize at times until it, someone asks me to catalog it, I do find that sometimes it's like, oh, I really want to help this person, but I have this run on my schedule. What am I supposed to do? You have that conflict in yourself about is this selfish for me to take time for myself to get in or run or work out and kind of move myself forward and stay as healthy as I need to be. Would you call it selfish if you're doing it for your health? Like you think about it in terms of I'm staying healthy versus I'm taking this time that I should be spending doing something else. Definitely everybody has their spectrum of what they call selfish. I mean, there's – I think – I don't think people do enough self-care. I think self-care in the U.S. is so lacking in so many ways, whether it's exercise or just relaxing or taking time to yourself or therapy or um, there's just so many things that we don't do. I think it's lacking. I think um, I think we like to think of it as we always think of helping other people more than we think of helping ourselves. And usually people, a lot of people tend to, to help others. And whether it's a nice excuse to use to not exercise <laughs> Um, I mean, because granted, I could get up at 4.30 and get my workout in before practice starts at 6. But, you know, I also also don't get home to work from work until like 8 p.m. too. So, you know, there's that. And there's a lot of things. But there's also other days I could take advantage of when we don't have practice and I could do it. Um, so, I, you know, I definitely use both <laughs> excuses. I don't think it's selfish. I think people need to view it less selfish and more as, as self-care. And they say, you know, the the healthier you are for yourself, the more you'll be able to help other people. It's true. Um, it's true. But it's very rare that people actually think it and do it. It is easier said than done for sure. Um, I know sometimes I have let it slide when um, my reason why I started my health and fitness journey, which is fatigue, episode one tells you all about that. So y'all can go back and listen to that. But when the fatigue catches up to me and I'm like, what is going on? Why am I so tired? And then like, oh yeah, you let that whole, you know, your prescription for what solves the fatigue fall to the wayside. And then I start penciling more time in for self-care because it's really more self-care than selfish. Can, can you end up on the end of selfish and let other things slide for sure? Very easy, especially when you, um, your social life is, in a race enabling society. Um, but in all fairness, um, taking care of yourself and being healthy is 
definitely a priority and not necessarily selfish, but if you use it as your excuse for why you're not doing anything that's bad, but using helping others and doing this one last thing for some paperwork that could wait till the next day to skip your workout is also just making excuses for yourself. So knowing your reasons versus your excuses is also kind mm-hmm. of key. So yeah. Let's just scares a little bit. Let's talk about nutrition. So on the out front, I'll say we both have this um, problem with uh, liking sweet things and sugar and she eats candy. And I think I knew we were going to really be friends when we had a discussion about a pound of M&M's. And I was like, oh, wait, she, she eats candy too? Oh, okay. Yeah, we can be we can be BFFs all the way. And... Um, it's a lifelong friendship. So let's talk about nutrition. We can talk a little bit about like Olympic nutrition. I get to eat like healthy stuff and vegetables and pay attention to it. And there are people telling you what to eat and whatever. What's your nutrition like now? Oh, that's a rough one. Um, I will say when I, I knew that I was really lacking on nutrition when I was coaching at UConn and every day at three o'clock when practice was started, the girls started realizing that I had forgotten to eat lunch and they would bring me a Snickers bar. So that's how my nutrition ended up when I first started coaching. And when I was growing up, I couldn't figure out how coaches got so out of shape until I started coaching myself. Mm. Not coaching myself, but actually being a coach. And I'm like, wow, I now get it. Okay, I understand this. Um, because, yeah, you when you're trying, you're trying to do all these things and you just forget. And it's like any job. you If you get so immersed in it, you know, time to the end of the day and you forget to be healthy because you don't plan. Planning is big. Um, so right now I, I try on some weekends to plan ahead and, you know, make things up so that I'm not um, stopping at fast food or grabbing, you know, the huge um, latte or something from, you know, instead of breakfast, which I haven't had one in a long time, but it hasn't been cold yet. So we'll see how that goes when it gets cold. Um, but planning for me has been big. Um, I still eat breakfast in the car usually, but it's a little usually healthier options. And lunch, I'm doing a better job of packing things now. And then dinners, working on that. As long as I start planning on Sunday, I'm good. If I don't plan on Sunday, forget it. The whole week is done. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort, of, I'm sort of the same way. If I, Even if it's just a plan and it's not like the full-blown meal prep, everything in the containers measured out, which is optimal in what I hope for in life, but it doesn't always happen. But if I don't even have an idea of what I want to get at the grocery store that I trip I've planned for like Monday after work, I will eat all kinds of weirdness or nothing at all. And both are very much not um, healthy or good for you or um, good for me keeping friends because I also get hangry. And a Snickers used to be my go-to for um, solving that problem, but then you have the crash and it's all bad and it's a cycle that happens. But um, so planning a meal mm-hmm. and, or menu or at least having an idea of how you're going to feed yourself kind of keeps you remembering that you do actually need to eat because when you get so involved in things, you, you're like, oh, I need to eat something. And then someone asks you a question and then you're like, oh, crap, I haven't eaten lunch yet. Um, I actually use my own advice, which is I set alarms and my alarms are multifaceted. And sometimes, depending on what time the alarm is going off, sometimes it's reminding me to eat, sometimes it's reminding me to drink water, sometimes it's reminding me to take a deep breath and check in and make sure I'm not like losing it during the day. But um, so planning is a big thing. So um, 
how do you talk to participants and people just starting their journey about how what they eat and their nutrition impacts their journey? And do you believe it is a bigger component than actually getting the like physical fitness part of it done? Now the nutrition part's huge and I'm definitely been the last couple of weeks working with participants more than I ever have with nutrition and hydration. I mean, I've been here almost four years and I feel like I've said it many times. I'm feeling like a parrot at the moment. Um, but it, it's mostly when people move up in distance. So, and I'm talking more like pre and during, um, post is important too, but the pre and during people think, well, you know, I trained for 5k and I didn't have to eat anything, so I should be fine. And then they get through 10k and they only had to have a little bit. Um, and then they think, well, you know, now I'm doing the half marathon and I can do a 10k without taking anything. So I don't need to start hydrating or fueling until I get to six or seven miles and then again, if they move from the half marathon to the marathon, they think, well, I really barely only had anything in the half marathon, so I am totally fine running the marathon. What they don't realize is, yeah, but you always stopped at <laughs> that time. Um, and so convincing people to actually fuel properly, I'm like, just try it for me once. I just say, try it for me once. If you don't feel better and if you don't make it past X point, then okay, fine. But inevitably, when they fuel prior and they actually start fueling early and often, it's amazing how much farther they get. They can do all the training they want, but at a certain point when you don't feel properly, the body's done. And they could have done the best training ever and it's just, it's not gonna happen. I know a lot of things affect, uh, affect fueling. It's nerves and how much sleep you had and, and weather and, all, and travel, there's just so many things. So if you don't plan and be on point with it, then yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's when I jumped in distance from 10K to half marathon, it was definitely one of the challenges. And being a back-to-back runner, you're out there longer. And so you're basing your fueling more on time than distance and then figuring out what's not going to make you feel like you're going to roar halfway through or that's going to kind of kick in when you need it to kick in. And all of that timing was definitely a challenge, but you – if you're in it and you're you don't want to feel crappy every run, you uh, you quickly figure out that there's something going on. Let me ask people who know what um, have done it before, what they're doing, and um, kind of try different things. So giving something a try once is always a good kind of standard rule of thumb uh, for when you're having any kind of issue, or even if you're just starting your health and fitness journey and you are. You just want to be 15 minutes more walking a day, have more movement in your life. Just give it a try and see how you feel. But you have to be honest with yourself. So how do you handle those people who are kind of in la-la land and um, aren't being honest about what the impact of a change might be on their journey? I ask a lot of questions. And eventually I come around to finding something that they'll admit to not doing or not trying and again I just say you know just try it once or um or half the time I'll bring in somebody else that has made that change and it's worked for them and that peer positive I'm calling it positive peer pressure of watching somebody else accomplish it but making that change is usually what what ends up working them the best is that they saw that somebody else made the change and it worked for them um and so they'll give it a try but yes, people are very reluctant to change. You know, they do the same thing all the time and it should just keep working even though we age and we change and everything is, it can't stay the same. It's true. Okay, let's talk a little bit about fitness. We know you like to run and all that jazz. What other types of exercises do you like to do? 
Um, I liked Orange Theory. I liked the the spin classes. Mostly anything that I don't have to tell people what to do and somebody else is telling me what to do and I can just shut my brain off and follow. I'm good with that. Now setting up my own workout or time, still working on that. <laughs> but if somebody else tells me what to do, it's great. So if you figure out the when you're going to do it, you're good. Yeah. And then it's leave what you're going to do and how it's going to get done to someone else. And that's kind mm-hmm. of your method of getting in your fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Do you own a Fitbit or step tracking device or anything like that? I actually use, um, well, this honestly, I'll be honest, is my very first GPS watch. Let's be, let's be real. I had a Timex that just did start and stop in a few laps. So I've kind of been using this the last two years. What kind of GPS watch is that? Uh, the Polar, the watch, and it's, I think I got more fun watching, uh, my sleep, (laughs) how little or how much. And the steps and things like that. And we actually just started a step challenge here. Our health uh, insurance has a whole um, app and stuff with Humana. And there's a nationwide uh, step challenge. So I convinced like five people in the office to sign up on our team to do it. And now we're going to Wingfoot this next week. So we will get a lot of steps out there. <laughs> She's talking about the Wingfoot Cross Country um, Atlanta Track Club race that's going to happen on September 22nd. And it may or may not have happened by the time this episode gets released. <laughs> but it, this is that's one of these crazy things that she's convinced me to do. I do come up with my own craziness that I just go, I want to do this, Amy. Help, help me get there. And she just looks at me and kind of shakes her head a little bit. And then she digs in. But um, it's running in a field. And I'm not a huge, like, let's get dirty kind of person. But this will be, what, the third year of it? Mm-hmm. And I come back and I convince others to at least give it a try once. And sometimes they return and sometimes they don't because they're like, I gave you, I gave you your one year. I'm good. But it's a lot of fun. But anywho, so convincing people to do things is huge challenge. We'll start with step challenges since you mentioned that. I have a Fitbit. I um, am like to say I'm in recovery from when you first purchased a Fitbit and then I figured out that it would give me like props for doing 10,000 steps a day. And then I set this goal of 10,000 steps a day every day for a year. And it then started to consume my life a little bit. But I do love a good step challenge. <laughs> um, how are you motivating people on your team for the step challenge? Well, actually, um, the guy in the warehouse, Joey, he's the one that came up and said, hey, you know, I hate my fit, my Fitbit or whatever broke and I'm so bummed. I totally want to do it. And I'm sorry. And so I looked it up. I'm like, oh, well, actually, it doesn't start for a few more days. So he got all excited. So him and I right now are the ones that are kind of, you know, talking to each other about it. He's like, oh, I wasn't the lead. And somewhere you came out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, it's just because it hadn't uploaded yet. <laughs> um, so him and I are, are, are uh, kind of motivating each other. But we actually probably need to bring talk to the other people on the team and make sure that they're uh, uploading and doing it as well. I like it. So uh, recently I posted a... Uh, article about habit building and one of the tips was to do it in a group or it was a podcast sorry it's podcast guys it was episode eight in which i talk about how you should do things in groups because then there are other people to um shame brag 
and or motivate you along the way and see it works for everybody and a step challenge um fitbit does these you can do a, a work week hustle so you have five days monday through friday to track your steps and then the winner is announced and everybody finds out how many steps you did in a day and there's definitely some strategy to whether or not you're like uploading it and whatnot especially if people are in different time zones it's on whoever set the challenge up their time zone but if the person is still up then they have time to like catch back up with you because they know that you're going to sleep for the next eight hours or whatever. In the end, it all works out, but uh, you definitely can be motivated by group challenges and whatnot. Um, have you done anything crazy fitness-wise? Other than doing the New York City Marathon in 2016? Not really. I always see these things and think maybe. I mean, I turned 40 and I thought I would you know, do something new or different. Um, I haven't yet come up with that. Um, <laughs> my new thing is I'm just trying to see a lot of the national parks. That's not really a fitness thing, but I hike when I'm there. Um, but I'm still coming up with what I wanted because I need to set a new goal, but I haven't figured it out yet. Guys, that sounded like a cry for help <laughs> for me. And now I will find her something crazy to do. It won't be too crazy because I'm sure she'll be like, oh, this is your idea. Then you're doing it too. So I can't be too crazy with it. But... Well, we'll get you something. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. So we talked about planning and exercise and getting activity in on your current journey as a regular working individual. Um, do you think that if people have set days and are not as flexible as they could be, that that is a recipe for their journey being paused? So I like to say once you start a journey, it doesn't end, but flexibility and in your planning is a good thing bad thing should do it don't do it i think it is flexible it's there's an analogy that's kind of fun to use and for example like uh i use myself like biting my fingernails if i grew them out and i bit one then sometimes i would just bite them all off but i read somewhere it's kind of like well if you have a if you know you're driving a car and you have one flat tire you're gonna like pop all the other ones i was like that made a lot of sense to me so um <laughs> That's the way it is with the fitness journey. If, you know, you have this set week and one day it was bad, the tendency is just to throw in the towel. Well, oh, my plan's all ruined. I'm not going to do it. But if you use the analogy, well, you know, you're not going to pop the rest of your tires or you're not going to. Um, so I think being flexible in that way keeps you from going off the deep end on the other side. Very true. Very true. All right. Let's talk about tips, hints, tricks, hacks. What's your number one tip that you give people? I guess planning is going to be the biggest thing, um, and that can be in everything. So, for example, planning on like if you don't bring a water bottle, you're probably not going to get as much water in. If you don't plan out or bring your food, you're going to end up having a Snickers bar for lunch. If you if you're going on a vacation or you're on a work trip, if you don't plan ahead and see where you're staying and do they have a a gym or is there a running route or a park nearby or even if like for you and I if they don't have gluten-free options at the place are you packing enough food to take with you so literally every single thing in your journey begins with planning um, that is probably my biggest my biggest tip to people is you just gotta start planning awesome can you recommend a go-to source blog book that will help someone who's just getting started on their health and fitness journey I would say writing things down 
in whatever way it's best for you. Um, I started with training logs. I started with running logs. And then I finally just made my own that I put into a three ring binder because you can customize it forever you want. Um, Because a running log wasn't good enough for me because I did a lot of cross training and I did what I called equivalent miles. So every 10 minutes on the bike was a mile. Every 10 minutes aqua jogging was a mile. So I did equivalent miles and there's no training log that had that. So I customized my own page with, you know, the days of the week and running miles, equivalent miles, therapy, massage, nap, how I felt. Um, So I had my own columns. And so I think however it's, however you need to do it, whether it's just a plain notebook, whether it's a planner, whether it's whatever it is that you can write things down, um, either what you've done, what you want to do and your goals, it's going to help you A, in that planning and B, in where you're going. And you can look back and see like, oh, I did too much. That's why I was really tired or I didn't do enough or, oh, wow, I really thought I did more than that. (laughs) Uh, Because sometimes you think you do, you know, you think you've done things and next thing you know, it's been two weeks since you've done anything and oops. Yes. I... I dabble with the writing it down. I've, I've kind of, um, I have a writing journal and I don't like it because I feel like it, it caters towards um, elite people and also does not include enough room to write down all the other cross-chaining mm-hmm. and craziness that I do sometimes during um, a week, any given week, but I also... When you write it down, it seems like it then becomes cemented in history. So then when you go back to look back, you're like, I can't really play that game of I can't remember if I really did this because it's right there in black and white that you did or didn't do something. But now I've taken to you kind of um, in order to provide information and the truth about what a health and fitness journey looks like. I kind of do jot down notes, but they're like one word or kind of here's a bare bones about what I did for that workout or activity or whatnot. And then if I have some kind of strong feeling about it, I will note that down too so that I can figure out whether or not it's just a, I hated that and I don't ever want to do that again. So then I need to scheme in my head for when Amy comes up with that workout again, how I can get a different one. Or if it is like, oh, something is messed up or I forgot to do something or need to make a change and figure out what it is. But yeah, I like that writing it down thing. It's... And I write it down in 15 different places. And so then every now and then when I need to figure out, is it time to set a new goal or why am I feeling kind of mad about the whole thing? I then go collect all my post-it notes and my calendar and my electronic calendar and kind of merge them all together to see, did I make any progress? Do I need to change something? Is it time to set a new goal and that kind of thing? So it's kind of cool. I like it. I like it. So you mentioned briefly that you, know, you have celiacs and that you're gluten-free. And as y'all know, I am also gluten-free. What is your go-to nutrition product, supplement, um, For me, it was – it's been Generation can probably since 07 or 08. I was one of the first people to kind of use it back when it first started. Um, chocolate, obviously, is my favorite go-to after I – you know, make that into a smoothie, add some coffee, and off I'd go. That's my, my favorite post thing to do with it. Uh, my pre is, um, you know, I add some caffeine to it with some BCAs, and it, it sits well for me. It's, um, it's just worked well, so I try not to change it since it's worked for me in the past. Like it. I'm also a Generation You Can fan, surprisingly, because Amy told me not really a surprise. <laughs> but it does actually sit well. And I also do my current rendition of it is I do the plain because it's complicated to feed me and I can't do all these extra ingredients that are in there. But I add uh, unsweetened cocoa powder to it. Um, 
PB Fit peanut butter powder and um, honey or agave or um, if I have not planned appropriately or have run out of those two things, I will add raw sugar and raw. And then I will do Fair Life milk, either whole or 2%. I'm not down with that skim milk stuff. And um, I shake it up in a shaker bottle and it works perfectly. It is this delicious snickery kind of uh, drink that um, is a great small mini meal. And when I'm super tired, it's been a hard workout or I know I have another workout in the evening, I will add a shot of espresso to it too. So Generation You Can is super flexible and delicious. Okay, so maybe not delicious <laughs> until you add the flavoring to it in my world, um, but it works and it's portable. So um, it helps with that whole planning thing. I always have random packets of it um, in my bag and that kind of thing. So anywho, I crowdsourced some questions because I was like, if you were interviewing an Olympian, what would you want to know from them? And since I've known Amy for the last four years and I will ask people anything, I knew the answer to a lot of questions. So I asked a couple of my friends what they would uh, ask her. So when was the first time you realized that you were like a hero figure, celebrity, and like, how did it feel? It was interesting. When I ran for Nike, they always had us do these um, signing autograph sessions at high schools, at meets, at things like that. And after the Olympic trials, everywhere I went, people would say, oh my gosh, your race was so inspiring. Or your race was the favorite race in the 08 trials. Or it was, I watched that or I was there. Um, it gets creepy sometimes when like you're at the airport and you're just sitting there and people come up to you. Um, it doesn't happen as much anymore, which is is good and bad. <laughs> it means you're getting older, but it also is like, okay, you don't get weirded out that people just walk up to you and or they ask you. Now the only time it happens is when I wear shorts short enough that you can see my Olympic tattoo and I completely forget that I'll be wearing shorts so you can see it. And then people will ask me questions about it and then I have to go into the whole story. And and they all, you know, it's always interesting questions. Um, it's fun when they ask different ones, I guess, but... Um, yeah. Nice, nice. So how do you handle the celebrity factor? Or I guess a better question would be, it's always slightly uncomfortable for me when people are like, oh, I saw your post about whatever and it inspired me to do, you know, insert activity. And you're like, I was really just, you know, posting so friends could know what I was doing. Or it's my um, proof of life check-in post-workout. How do you handle that? Like, what is your method of dealing with the slightly uncomfortable, you inspired me comment? I usually then just ask them a ton of questions. Uh, you kind of turn it on them and ask them what they're doing, how they're doing, what their goal is. Um, you know, they can ask you questions, obviously, but you turn it on them and, and just ask them a lot of questions. And it's one of those things where, you know, like, you, like today, you know, when you asked me to introduce myself, um, sometimes I've it's almost like you forget some of those things. Like you don't forget you're an Olympian, but it's hard to explain. Like for example, we have three Olympians in this office, right? And because Rich is one, I'm one, and Rob is a, is an Olympian. Um, and yeah, so we have three. And we've had we've actually had four. We had a volunteer here that was also one as well. And so we've had up you know up to four. And you know, obviously there's only like 600 plus Olympians every four years in the United States, so it's a very small number. We we did the numbers at one point to see how many there were with fall and or summer and winter Olympics. 
And it's not a big number. It's a very small percentage of the population. Um, but I guess it's one of those things when, when you're in that world, you know everybody in that world. And so if you're not an Olympic champion or an Olympic medalist or a world medalist, it is a great accomplishment, but you're also, you also compare yourself to those in your sphere that have also accomplished more. So it's not something that, I guess because you're not the best in your world, you just always don't bring it up. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. It makes 100% sense. But, um, I mean, my teammates were, you know, Shalene Flanagan and Kara Goucher, and they've obviously both medaled, and they've always, you know, obviously both done all those things. So, you know, in, in my world, I was not, you know, yay the Olympian fangirl, right? Like, I had I had some some very serious teammates. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> right. Totally fair. In, in Portland. I mean, all, you know, we were all there. Um, she, you know, Shalane, who then we separated and she was ran on the Bowerman and Kara and I stayed on the Oregon Project. But, um, yeah, it's, you don't always think of it, I guess, because there's always people better and, and bigger and have done more. How about that? I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. No, it's, I have the same sort of um, problem habit in that I forget that, not everybody knows that, like, I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and went through chemo and radiation and I will talk about something. Someone will ask a question or they'll be telling some story and relate back to them to put yourself on that same level with them so that they feel comfortable asking you questions or telling their story. You're like, oh, yeah, when I was in chemo, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, um, hold on a second. Did you just casually drop that into conversation? But for me, it's not a casual drop. It's just a forget that not everybody lived that world with me at that time or hasn't heard about it because, you know, people gossip and talk and whatever. You just presume that people um, know that information. And so sometimes it's kind of hard to, for, to like remember that you need to tell all the highlights and it is what it is. But we still fangirl when Amy shows up and we start talking about the Olympics and then we're all like, oh, we get coached by Olympian. Ha! And then we, we're like super pumped about it. So, Needless to say, that is what it is. I also got the question of how does a person find the motivation to push to the next level when everything is okay? So it's it's one of those things where you you can kind of figure out where to find motivation or inspirational quotes when stuff is not going well or you didn't hit the mark that you wanted. So now you have that as your built-in driving factor. But take an example of you hit your PR and... It was not, it was close to what you had before, but now you need some motivation to not just kind of rest on your laurels. What, what do you do? How do you find that motivation? It is hard. It's, and that is a funny story. So what people understand is, is anytime you hit a big goal, anytime you hit something huge, there is this lull because it's, you go between this ecstatic, I accomplished this and there's a whole reset period, both physically, emotionally, mentally. And if you don't reset, you can't reset too quickly or else you haven't really soaked in what you just accomplished. But yet if you take too long to set reset the goal, then you're kind of in this black hole of nothing and no, no way to go. And it's kind of like when you make the Olympics, everything in your life had pointed to this one thing. And if you're all in and everything is about this point... Typically, you don't have a plan for post-Olympics, and there's this big black hole that everybody kind of goes through, and it's it's not the easiest thing. Um, so that's why typically sometimes Olympic medalists and things like that, it's the next year's a lot harder. 
because they've had to reset or it's hard to also compete at that level um, for a long time. So it's, you have to be able to find that fine line of when to be able to reset your goals and find the new motivation, not too soon, not too late. It's a very hard thing to do. Um, but that's when things are going well. Those, those are the times that, again, you have to go back to what's my why. And um, if I have accomplished everything I need to do, do I need to go in a different direction, a new journey? Or I tell people if they're having a hard time resetting their goals for now, everything's been going great, there's been nothing wrong, you've set this PR, now you don't know what you want to do, then you need to do it for somebody else or do it with someone else. Um, until you find that extra motivation again to set that new PR or go the next distance. Um, so I always tell people, you know, go do it with somebody else, go volunteer, go be a, a pacer or, um, you know, there's the Brent Peace Foundation. You can, you can help with pushing. You can, um, there's the blind runners. There's all sorts of different things that you can go and help with to help other people accomplish their goals while you're trying to figure out your next one, because things are going well. And if they're going well for you, you might as well kind of pay it back. I like it. It is. It definitely keeps me motivated when I do run leading, and I'm like, oh, I have to keep moving, keep myself ahead of the participants because you can't be the one that's on the run that's like, oh, I can't do it today, guys, because <laughs> yeah. they're looking at you for the motivation or the belief that they can make it through and that you're not going to die doing whatever it is, and so, and I'm big on that being hypocritical, and so if I'm telling you to do something. I fully expect that if I tell someone to do something that their next response will be, are you doing that? Because that is my response to people who tell me to do something that I may or may not perceive as uncomfortable and or crazy. I'm like, are you going to do this too? Because I'm not doing this by myself. And so doing it for someone else is a great way to kind of figure out where you want to go next. And a lot of times you'll have a moment in your life where it inspires something new for your own personal gain. So I like it. All right. Uh, another question I got is, what are your tips for pushing through pain, failure, and or disappointment? Yeah, that's when you really have to pull out your why factor. Why am I doing it? And you have to pull out all those mantras. And it's practicing them before you even have to use them. So if you come to a, a rough point in the race, but you've never practiced those mantras or actually use them authentically... It's really a, it's almost futile, I guess, because you haven't you haven't really used them, and they don't really mean what they're supposed to mean. Now you're just kind of saying them. You're going through the motions of saying it. Well, it's not working. Yes. <laughs> um, it's definitely finding that why, and you have to you have to want it more than than what the pain you're going through. You have to want it more than the uncomfortableness. You have to want it more than. You know, I guess the sleep you're giving up to accomplish the goal, whatever it is, it's it's that one factor in why you're doing it. Because if you can't if you can't say why you want it, or or uh, then yeah, it's going to be really easy to just stop and walk away. Awesome. Last question from the internet world is: What has been some of your most inspiring moments that's impacted your journey? And we'll put a time frame on that and say in your post Olympic slash coaching world. I think seeing athletes accomplish something that you saw inside of them, but they took a long time getting to, um, whether that's qualifying for nationals or finals or running a PR, um, it's seeing people cross the line 
at races and it's their first 5k i mean you know i've pinned numbers on on people before that that was their first race and they came up to me with a number in their hand with oh my gosh i i don't know what to do with this and you know for you like pinning a number on is like okay second nature but they are literally in this state of they can't they have no idea what they're doing at this moment they've never pinned a number on um you know it's it's watching people I know more about my participants in run leads than I really should know. Um, it's seeing women who have come from terrible situations and they finished a race and this is the most empowering thing that's ever happened to them. It's people who have lost family members and this is their, um, this is what's getting them out of bed moving. You know, it's those kind of things that it's just, you, you know why you're there and it's amazing. Um, getting to put, you know, the medal around your neck when you finished Publix was a, was a huge thing. I still have that picture. I, I love that picture. Um, it's those type of things that um, that are the most inspiring things for me because people have overcome a lot and they didn't quit when they had so many reasons to quit that other people would have quit the first time that it got hard. I like it. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. We have one more thing that I do at the end of all of my interviews, and I'm calling it One Lap Around the Track. It's five questions. Give me the first thing that pops in your head. Are you ready? Sure. One word to describe your journey. Hilly. Favorite snack. Anything chocolate. Most hated exercise. Swimming. What's in your gym bag? Stuff that I never take out. <laughs> and what is the last thing you ate? Drank Powerade, ate my... I make these oatmeal chocolate chip muffins. All right. That is your lap around the track. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing with everyone all of the things about a health and fitness journey. As you can tell, Amy is a regular human being, even though she is an Olympian. And I will be back next time with another episode all about a health and fitness journey. Thanks for listening to the second half of my interview with Coach Amy Begley. Let's help Coach Amy come up with her next crazy fitness thing. For those of you out there who are listening who have been convinced to do those things very much outside your comfort zone by Amy, this is your chance to weigh in and give her some great ideas. I will uh, report back later about what ideas we've come up with and what we have gotten her to agree to. I hope that if you haven't listened to part one of the interview that you go back and listen to episode 14, as well as the 13 other episodes that are in the archive. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time for another episode of the TJ Tells It podcast, telling about a health and fitness journey. You can find all the archive episodes and show notes at tjtellsit.com forward slash podcast. Never miss the next episode by subscribing through your favorite podcast app, such as Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play, or just sign up for my email newsletter on tjtellsit.com. Not only that, signing up will score you a free weekly fitness planner. You can join me on Facebook to discuss the episodes and all things related to a health and fitness journey in the TJ Tells It community on Facebook. Just three questions to answer and I'll add you to the group. You can send your questions to me at tj at tjtellsit.com. In between episodes, you can follow my journey on Instagram or Twitter by following TJ Tells It.
Until next time, keep in mind that this is a one step at a time, always moving forward journey, and you will too succeed on your health and fitness journey. I'm TJ and I'm telling you.